Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast may contain strong language and matter of an aggressively artistic nature. Bringing you insightful interviews from industry insiders across the arts. This is Dark Unicorn in Conversation. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Dark Unicorn in Conversation. My guest today has been a familiar sight on our screens over the past four decades in a variety of character roles, ranging from the Maureen Lipman sitcom Agony, Del Boy's unflappable doctor in Any Fools and Horses, and perhaps her best-known role, that of the malign camp administrator Miss Hassan in the Prisoner of War drama Tenko. She's also a veteran of the stage across the UK and Europe. She's a director and a singer under the musical direction of her husband, the BAFTA award-winning composer and founder of the Flying Pickets, Rick Lloyd. She is Josephine Lloyd Welcome. And as we spoke a few weeks ago, I was able to ask her about her current project, which sees her up in the north of England for the next few months. Joe, at the time of recording, you are up in the north of England uh, filming. Um, are you able to tell us anything about that? No. <laughs> are you... Uh, OK, that's... No, I... I... <laughs> That was unfortunately had to be a concise answer. That's um, fine. I, I thought that might one be one of those fun. things. Put it that way. Are you able to? Are you able to talk without giving anything away about how different things are filming in the middle of a pandemic? Yes, I can at least uh, have a go at that mm. because um, things will take a lot longer. There'll be um, not, of course, many use of ax- extras as a lot of people have probably found out in filming television. Um, so you you have to cut down on that sort of thing. Um, and also probably a, a minimum of crew as well. Uh, I think testing is also the other thing that you have to do frequently, just to make sure that everybody stays safe mm. and uh, it doesn't shut down the production basically. Is the production basically operating in its own bubble? Yes. Mm. Um, moving all the way back, was was creativity a part of your upbringing? Did you when when did you realise you well, had, to, had to be a performer? <laughs> oh, that's a difficult one. Um, 
Well, I guess I'd always played the clown when I was uh, young. So there's a sort of uh, notice me syndrome, really, I guess. Uh, I did like, you know, trying to make people laugh. I generally do that without really trying. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I think, I guess when I was about, um, I don't know, maybe seven, eight, that sort of time, yeah. I realized there were things that I wanted to do. They, it moved between creating things um, physically, like painting, um, music, playing piano, and uh, then of course making things up, your own scripts and who you are, etc., etc. Dressing up, of course, like a lot of children do if they're into that sort of thing. Um, yes, yeah, so quite a young age, single figures. Mm. Well, are you are you from a, a performance background, or or your family um, anyway connected? Or yes, part of my family is um, on my mother's side. Um, she was uh, she studied ballet. But again, her career and her um, other things that happened in her life got hit by the Second World War. And um, my uh, grandmother always played the piano. So it was that home entertainment number, really, at that point. <laughs> and and how, how did, did you train? Did you, were you a drama school grad or did you go straight into the... Partly, yes. I did, I, I, did, I did bits and pieces, basically. Um, and I... Also, I did some summer courses at the uh, RSC, um, at the uh, RADA and uh, some at Weber Douglas and some with a, a workshop group that were dancers and actors, basically run by a dancer and actor. Mm. Yeah. The, um, something I've been talking about with a lot of the actors that have come in here is that we've had people who've had all come into the industry in all sorts of different ways um, about whether or not you think that a sort of conservatoire type training is is mm. essential for for um, people going into the business mm. Mm. I think there are a few people that haven't done any of that really they've just been I guess if you like naturally drawn to it and naturally creative and productive right from the start so they they just have a gift for it I'm not going to name any, but I mean, you know, we know that there are people in the business who are who are like that. They just have a gift and they don't seem to need um, any background training in it at all. Or rather, they they find their way through it, if needs be. Hmm. Uh, you've obviously performed in theatres and on film and television sets all over the country and beyond. Um, when it comes to theatre, what, mm -hmm. what sort of productions uh, and roles excite you? Um, well, I think the, some of the more exciting things for me have been um, European theatre uh, with a friend of mine who's um, a German director. Uh, there was a sort of, uh, kind of nucleus of us that's worked for a while with him across about maybe 10 or 12 years. And I found that work very exciting because it wasn't anything I found in this country um, that I would be up for. Uh, and I don't think any of the productions that he, he eventually did here were ever done in the UK. Right. Hmm. Do, you, do you find that European audiences are, are more open to alternative sort of artistic expressions than they are here? Does it have to be frightfully traditional to work in the UK? <laughs> um, Yes, I guess that there's a different way of working, certainly, mm. in, in Europe. And we witnessed that when we went across to uh, 
see George Tabori's work in Vienna and uh, in um, in Berlin. Um, he yes, so they they have everything right from the start. In other words, they go in for rehearsals off the book, mm. and they go into a fully dressed theatre, if you like, all the scenery's there and everything else. And their rehearsal room is exactly the same as what it's going to be like on, on the stage. Everything is set up like that. So it's, it's, it's quite, um, it is very different. And of course, they have a lot more time. <laughs> the biggest thing I found was that they had reams of time to do this. <laughs> now, in terms of, of uh, television, you, you became a very familiar face to a lot of people in, in the 1980s, first of all, with, with series two of agony and then of course with tenko which still has a uh, a huge sort of um gets rerun a lot um do you find there's a burden that comes with being associated with what's a rather iconic series um no i don't think it's a burden actually at all i've never viewed it as that i've 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 always found it um <laughs> So I'm slightly bemused that people follow it so strangely, put it that way. But, you know, people do. And if they really like a series and they like the characters in it, um, they'll watch it many times. And um, they just become, you know, those kind of fans, I guess. There's a lot of other television productions that have great followings, you know, fans, um, the Doctor Who's, etc. you know. Uh, so I'm always amazed um, how many people will remember and new generations coming up will follow things like Tenko that were done in the early 80s. Yes, I'm, I'm always vaguely su surprised. <laughs> <laughs> do you do, you do th I mean, I know that there are a lot of uh, people from Tenko that sort of do the convention circuit and things like that. Do you, mm -hmm. do, you do any of those? I did, uh, I did two of them actually, just, um, just uh, appearing um, for somebody who had been a fan since he was a, a child and then wrote a book about the whole of the making of Tenko. So um, we went along for that, those of us that were able to manage it. Um, we, and it was, a very, it was a very nice time meeting people who were fans and signing um, books for them, etc., and having small chats. Yes, I mean, it was quite delightful, really. <laughs> uh, yes, I, mean, I was going to ask, how do you find sort of fan interaction, particularly on a well, I'm not mobbed. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose events like that, you know, you are going, you're going to get people who, who, who want to be there to see people associated with yes. that. And, and yes, I mean, I think I, I, I also went along for one that was um, Only Fools and Horses, mm. and that has a huge following, even though I was only in the one episode of it. But it, because it, again, it's, it gets shown uh, very frequently, um, I'm, I'm associated with that, so I'm always um, the doctor. Uh, <laughs> and, and people quote the whole scene to you that you were in, so I never have to remember my words, they do. <laughs> um. Do you ever suffer from constipation? That regular clockwork. You have plenty of roughage in your diet? Nothing but roughage. Muesli, brown bread, all day. I'm a very organic person. That's very good. Even in this day and age, you'd be surprised the number of people that still exist on fried foods and takeaways. You, not me, Doc. I'm like a walking grow bag. <laughs> when they bury me, there'll be rhubarb everywhere within six months. <laughs> Mr. Trotter, 
When I said strip to the waist, I meant the top half. Did you, and, and, and do you, and I'd say I'm not asking you to be a spokesperson in any particular way, but did, did you find that there were barriers to progress for performers of colour in Britain? Um, yes, I think there were. I, I think I was probably maybe a bit more fortunate than others at the time that I was, you know, around, um, you know, in my, my 20s and my 30s. Um, I found myself doing a, quite a bit of work, which was, I guess, Asian orientated. But again, in theatre and things, I found that I had uh, more range. So, um, for instance, I mean, it didn't matter uh, whether I w was, was Asian or not. Um, I was cast to play things just because they liked the look of me or whatever it was. You know? <laughs> or I spoke in a certain way, or it was surprising that I had to really try to put on an accent if need be. But, you know, a sort of relatively RP accent tends to be all right with most people. So I, I didn't find huge, huge barriers, although perhaps I hit them and didn't even realize it. Mm. That's, yeah. That sometimes happens. <laughs> Do you sense that much has changed? Yes, I mean, I, th I think, yes, I mean, it's, it's, it's much better now than it was. There's a, a huge range of artists of every different persuasion now. Um, and it's lovely to see them because uh, I did at, at times think to myself, my goodness, there must be others, surely, who can do what I'm doing um, without having to actually think about an accent <laughs> or know how to wear this. I mean, you know, I am talking about early days, but yeah. there were sometimes, you know, uh, just moments where I thought, gosh, it would, be, it would be nice if there were more people around. And Did there are now. I find that there was a rather sort of um, monolithic attitude towards <laughs> Asia on the part of casting directors that it didn't really, you know, matter yeah. that, you know, you were actually of Sri Lankan origin, that you would just get thrown into any Asian role going or... or well, I, I guess there might have, yeah, there, there might have been a bit of that, but as I think mostly, as I, you know, as, as I discovered, um, it really is what you look like, can you speak, <laughs> can you read? <laughs> yes, you can. So um, I may have come at it from a different angle than perhaps others, um, but I, I never really, you know, hit that block thinking, oh, I'm not allowed to do that or anything. Um, I think because the, my, my theatre experience was so much, had so much more largesse about it, really. Yeah. Mm. You also uh, direct for theatre, and I was certainly privileged enough to see the, the production of the one-woman show you directed a year or two back about Marilyn Monroe. Um, yes. What a, attracts you to a project as a director, and, and how do you prefer to direct? Well, I do, I mean, I, 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 I'm just cutting my teeth on sort of, you know, small productions, really. Um, I did enjoy doing the Marilyn, because actually it was very well written by Gwyn Edwards. And um, the actress who was playing that part, I thought, managed it really, really well. I was excited to see what, what I could do with just a one-person show. 
Um, I'd done it once before for a show that went up to Edinburgh with a lovely actress called Eve Pierce, uh, which was written by Abby Nasser. And um, again, it was a, over an hour's long show. And that's quite hard work for someone to um, remember everything, feel absolutely steady on their feet about being there by themselves. And I also realized how important it is for a director to make that person feel totally able to do it. That's the other thing. It's not about me as a director. It's actually because I've got the two hats, I suppose now. Mm. Um, I realize I like that from a director. I want them to believe that I can do it. You know, I want them to feel that I'm able to just take that point and go, oh, how about that? And then that. So in other words, begin to actually imagine for myself and create things for myself. Yeah, so that was pretty nice. I, I agree entirely from, from that perspective as a director myself, but the, the, it, it's also, uh, for me, it starts with the, the when I first started to direct, realizing when I sat on an audition panel and had people coming in, seeing it from the other side of it for the for the first time, and suddenly realizing that actually they do want you to get the job, and they walk when you walk in the door, they want you to be the person who's right for the role because partly because yeah. it saves so much time, but also because it's it's you you want people to feel confident in doing what they're doing. Yes. Um, uh, it would be uh, remiss of me, of course, not to mention the uh, the work that you do uh, as a singer as well, uh, most recently, <laughs> as part of, and I, I have to give a slight plug to, uh, as a 1960s style girl group, the Hornets, uh, mm -hmm. who I've seen many times, who are an absolute treat, book them for your functions once we all can meet mm -hmm. again. Is there a joy to singing for you that can't be met in other types of performing? I guess there is, yes. I mean, I, I, I have done quite a few musicals anyway mm. in trade, and I did really enjoy them. Um, I haven't got the massive sort of West End sort of, you know, voice or anything like that, but I, I do like that sort of more uh, copable with um, business of uh, singing in a trio, perhaps, you know, like that. It's, um, it's part of it is the show. So there is that element to it, which I absolutely love. And the movement and, and just the joy of having a laugh, really, too. Um, and the, huh, the extreme outfits. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be sure to put in some pictures for, for people so they can have a look. Yeah. Oh, I, I uh, love all. It's, it's dressing up time, isn't it? That's, yes. that's the thing that's, that's, that's the great, you know, that's a great love for me to be able to do that too. <laughs> do you find that there's a, a different um, uh, relationship with the audience in, in settings like that as well? That they, yes. That sort of closer, mm. um, I'm trying to think what to say here, the, 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 um, they're, they're more willing to interact, really, aren't they? Absolutely, because, because, again, because of the kind of songs that are being sung, pretty much it, the sweep of, of, of the range of people that know those songs, whether they were there at that time or whether they just learnt them, you know, through, through time, um, is just great because they will sing along with you and they feel as if they are part of, you know, the whole show in, the, in, in terms of the Hornets. Um, yes, it's a very, uh, I think it's a very special sort of show and we do take time over it as well. 
Um, it is to have fun with. It is to bring people in. You're not supposed to just sit there and you know take it all as it were as a member of the audience. Of course, you interact, and that's the beauty of that one. The um, uh, you are. Um, this, this is the question we may end up cutting. Um, <laughs> you are of course married to the MD of, of the Hornets, Rick Lloyd. Um, is it joyful, frustrating or both to have two people in a relationship who are artistic creators? Do you know, it doesn't actually, not at all in actual fact. I mean, I think the whole thing is that Rick's thing is very particular. I mean, he's he's composer, musician, and he has been a singer as well. Um, and he does sing still, of course. Uh, and for me, it's a case of sometimes just acting the songs as well as just singing. Mm. Um, he was MD for something I had done up at the Arts in ABBA uh, some years ago. And uh, I did, that was the only time I thought to myself, I'm very glad I don't have to sing in this part. Because <laughs> he was quite... <laughs> he was very strict. <laughs> so that's sort of... what I will say on that. So I, mean, I just, you know, just one of the moments where I thought, hmm, yes, I think I'm happy I'm not in this particular show. Uh, it's, and it's a big show as well, um, that I have to sing. On a day-to-day -day basis, is it? Is that, I mean, it's. It's. I think there'll be a lot of people watching this who have either been in relationships or are in relationships with other creative people themselves, mm. um, and sometimes that works beautifully on a day-to-day -day basis, and sometimes it, it, it there's 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 a sort of, of clash. But do you find that the different types of artistry that you're both engaged in sort of complement each other very well on a day-to-day -day basis, or is it a Yes, I think so. I mean, I, I do go, I do go and listen to stuff that he's actually composed and things, and he will always run things by me, as I will run things by him as well. Um, you know, when it's, if it's to, to do with a song, or if it's to do with harmonies and stuff that I will have, I will ask, because he is the person I would go to for those sort of things. Um, and if I'm not happy with something that I have to do, for instance, if it's for an audition or whatever, I'd say, can I, can I have that transposed to a different key? So in, in those ways, there are, there are some very complementary things that happen um, in that sort of relationship. You know? and, and likewise, uh, the same with him. He will run things past me, as I, as I said, uh, just to see how, it, how, A, how I suppose I would react to it, or B, I'm always pretty honest about what I think. You know, I won't. Um, I won't say, "Oh, it's lovely." When it's when I think mm, it could have been a lot better, or whatever it is, you know. Yeah, and likewise, I expect the same in in uh, the other way around. <laughs> Honesty is 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 always welcome. Um, the, uh, it, it's been a ridiculous sort of year for everybody, both in terms of just every day to day life, but also in terms of of the work that that we do in the arts. Uh, how have you coped with the with the lockdown um, over the last? Well, at the time. Uh, well, I, I do love reading, so I do do a lot of reading, but I have taken to um, a bit of gardening and uh, growing some um, veggie fruit, like everybody else, has suddenly become an extra in the good life. Uh, <laughs> so <it's> <laughs> <laughs> oh, my tomatoes are doing so well. <laughs> Let me just go and check on my asparagus. It'll take three years for them to grow and be edible, but never mind. Um, <laughs> and also, um, 
something I'd never done before, and I'm kind of a bit, mm, I suppose, not ashamed, but a little bit shy to say this, is I'm baking. I've never been <laughs> baking. I will cook, but I've never things, you know, pastries and stuff like that, and um, breads and things like that, I've not done before. So that was something to discover and kind of realise that it wasn't quite as difficult as I thought it was. Do you have a new signature bake? <laughs> I, I do a fairly good barabrit. <laughs> well, everybody, you heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> um, there's there's always a new cottage industry to be to be uh, oh. to. to. Um, what do you still want to achieve? Oh, my goodness me. Um, I think in terms of um, just life itself, there are plenty of places I still want to, to go and see and visit in the world. I haven't done enough of that, I don't think. Um, but then I think everybody says that. <laughs> well, where's top of the list then? Oh, South America. I've never been to South America. Um, and uh, Pacific Islands, I guess. Um, not been to any of those or any of the, um, you know, places like Papua New Guinea and uh, the northern bits of, of Australia. Um, plenty of other places as well. But but I do like warm places. <laughs> I'll say that that is, um, that's a little bit of the, the, the criteria that's involved. <laughs> Not pining for the fjords, then. <laughs> Lovely to see from um, a distance, as long as you're uh, well wrapped up. But uh, yes, I mean, they're extraordinary places to see anyway. But um, just to spend some time, I think I would love to go to some of these other places. And I've never been to Cuba either. I mean, I'd want to see that too. Is there anything you still want to achieve work-wise? Work-wise? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, I, I always look forward to, to going up for parts that um, you can be actually more yourself than you ever have been as I've, as I've got older. <laughs> There's a sort of devil-may-care attitude that comes in. And he said, well, you either like me or you don't. So <laughs> my face either fits or it doesn't. So there is, the, there is sort of that feeling about, you know, about not being quite so angst-ridden, I think, about I must get this job or anything like that. It's some, um, I do, I mean, I love the fact that I could just gone into this whole realm now of, of, I don't have to worry about whether my hair's perfect or anything else. You know, I, I've, I've gone past all that now. This is quite nice to actually achieve that. <laughs> reach that moment <laughs> as people who've been watching this will will have heard me say uh, each week that one of the the um people who were unfortunately spirited away in 2020 was james lipton who founded inside the actor's studio in new york mm -hmm. and he used to round off the formal part of his interview before taking questions uh, from outside um by asking each of his subjects the same 10 questions and um yeah. I've been doing that with everybody that's come on. Um, but it's very, it's very basic stuff, don't worry. Um, what is your favourite word? Oh. I do like the word perspicacious. 
and your least favourite word? Interesting. <laughs> what, what excites you? Oh, there's quite a few things that excite me, I guess. Um, I love, I mean, music excites me. New music excites me. Um, phenomenal brains excite me. <laughs> People who are able to do things that I can only dream of doing. <laughs> um, I'm still able to do some exciting things. Um, bungee jumping for one. Um, uh, oh, an entire story waiting to be told there. <laughs> <laughs> What completely turns you off? Oh, gosh. Um, I guess there's, there's a couple of things, I guess, that's turning off. It's when people come up and say, I know probably people have said this to you before, but <laughs> I want to shrink away and run out of the door. <laughs> it's... Um... It sort of never ends well, that sort of thing, does it? <laughs> what sound or noise? There's one other non-favourite oh, thing. Oh, yes? Where are you from? Oh. <laughs> yes, because you know that's not actually what they're asking, isn't it? Yeah. So I end up by saying Greenwich. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Uh, what sound or noise do you love? Oh, um, I've actually discovered that I love the sound of seals calling at night. That, uh, I think, wins the prize overall <laughs> for the series for being the most um, <laughs> wonderfully original answer to that question. Um, <laughs> What, what sound or noise do you hate? <laughs> um, car horns. What is your favourite swear word? Oh. You are allowed to say that. P-double-O-P. I'm sorry? P-double-O-P. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, a fine artist. And what profession would you absolutely never want to do? <laughs> a dentist. If when the time comes to discover whatever your beliefs may or may not have been while you were alive that heaven does indeed exist what would you like to hear said to you on arrival we've been waiting for you <laughs> <laughs> we have had uh, a small number of questions which have come into us um from people outside um david in birmingham starts off by asking um Playing an antagonist on Tenko in a series that's all about community, uh, did that have an impact on your relationships with other cast members or was it purely switched on for the cameras? Oh, purely switched on for the cameras. 
you weren't one of these people who felt you had to isolate yourself from everybody else. No. <laughs> <laughs> Besides, um, I have Bert Quark to have a laugh with. <laughs> um, <laughs> Julie from Manchester asks, have you a favourite role or have you not played it yet? I do have a favourite role. I have played it. It's a character called Frau Death in a play by George Tabori called Mein Kampf Farce. <laughs> oh, do elaborate. That sounds fantastic. <laughs> You'll have to look it up yourself, Paddy. <laughs> <laughs> and that goes for all the rest of you as well. Um, finally, Nadia from London says... Um, what advice would you give young women seeking to make a career in the arts? And would you say that the advice you would give now would be different than that which you would have given 20 or 30 years ago? Yes, it, it, it may have done. Yes, it's, it's quite, it is quite a difficult one to answer that, actually. Um, now, I would say, you know, if, if that is what you want to do, go for it. Don't let anybody wear you down about that if you feel that is what you want to do make the effort to go for it because if you don't you will always say if only no i think that's that's what i would say to anybody and i but but again young people nowadays you know have far yes really seem to have a lot of grit uh to go in for these things these days i'm not sure how much grit we all have to be for but probably enough to keep us going as it has done <laughs> Josephine Lloyd, welcome. Thank you very much indeed for taking the time to be with us. Thank you. It was a pleasure, Paddy. Thanks for asking me. You've been listening to Dark Unicorn in Conversation with Josephine Lloyd. Welcome. The show was written, presented, and edited by Paddy Cooper. Theme music by Curtis Batson. Special thanks to the estate of James Lipton and the BBC. The show has been executive produced on behalf of Dark Unicorn Productions Limited by Eleanor Stapp. COVID-19 presents one of the greatest threats to theatre in living memory. The performing arts need you now more than ever. Please, consider supporting our work by becoming a patron, with packages starting at just £50 per year to be a rainbow unicorn. Just visit darkunicorn.org. Science helps us solve problems, but creativity helps us cope with them. Please don't let the performing arts be another casualty of the pandemic. Thank you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.